All right, the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20 this morning, Acts chapter number 20, and I will look forward to what God has for us today, and uh, I have, as you know, been gone for a couple of weeks, and when you come back, uh, that thought of what is that first message, because I have a lot on my heart, a lot on my mind, and I don't know how big of a mess I'm going to have to clean up uh, when I get back, Uh, but I do appreciate uh, the men stepping in in my stead, and they made the good kind of mess in the back and the expansion of our auditorium. Isn't that wonderful and exciting to see? And I look at this summer crowd today, and the thought occurred to me, if you think back, those of you that were here when we first acquired this property and the classrooms that came about halfway up, and I'm looking this morning, how in the world did we fit in here? Uh, and we didn't fit very well, but looking to see how God has blessed, and I believe that's as far back as we can go, and uh, so uh, you continue to pray and work, and let's be excited about what God is doing. The book of Acts chapter number 20, and I want to preach a message this morning that the Lord has put on my heart that I think will be a help and a blessing to all of us. I want to uh, speak to you this morning, uh, certainly uh, open my heart, and for us to look at this passage, and uh, just pastor talking to people today, and I think uh, this will be a help to us, an encouragement to us. I want to share my heart with you, and uh, as I uh, decided to take a little bit of an extended vacation, uh, and that, that thought of driving out west, and there's a lot of driving that we did, and driving all the way to the other coast, and all the way back, and everything in between, and it was good for me to spend time with my family. It was better for them to spend time with me, of course. Uh, but uh, a lot of thinking, I take these times away to get out, if I can put it this way, out from the pressure of the bubble, uh, out from the busy. And so I can spend some extra time praying and thinking and reflecting and excited about what God is doing. And now I'm ready. We've, we've been slacking all year. It's time to get busy, don't you think? It's time to push forward. It's time to do something for the Lord. And uh, thinking about all of that and thinking about it in my own life and my own ministry. And, and the Lord put this message on my heart, this text on my heart today. And so I pray it will be a blessing to us. Acts chapter number 20, verse 17. And from Miletus, <clears throat> he sent to Ephesus. And called the elders of the church. This is the Apostle Paul we're speaking of. Verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. 
Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. I want us to especially draw our attention to verse 24, and we'll use this entire passage this morning. But none of these things move me, neither count I my, my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. There's ever an example in the scripture of one who after they were saved, who gave themselves completely and wholly to God and his work is the Apostle Paul. From the moment God saved him from that wicked life, he gave everything to serving Christ. He lived to serve Christ. He set an example of what ministry should be. And as I read this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to re- be, be transparent with you this morning, if that's okay, as, as I'm thinking about in my own life and my own ministry and what the Lord might have in store, as I look ahead just a few months to what will be my 50th birthday, I will enter into a new era of life. I will be old like many of you. (laughs) I tell people I felt old for a long, long time. And as I look at that and I reflect, reflect on my life and I reflect on my ministry, I truly want to use my life to please God. I truly want to use my days to serve Him. I don't know how many I have left. You don't know how many you have left. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for that trump to sound today? For Christ to call us home? But I want to think of this passage, and I'd like for, as I thought about preaching this message this morning, and I intend on preaching from this passage again tonight, I thought about it might be a good time for me as your pastor to take this passage of Scripture and, and kind of speak to you of how it motivates me as your pastor and how it should motivate all of us. And the opportunity we have to serve the Lord together, I also think it's good as God has added new people to our church. There's some of you, you know me pretty well. I've been your pastor all 10 years that I've pastored. Uh, Some of you, you know me from before that. Uh, Some of you uh, have been around as I grew up in this ministry. And so, but some do not know me that well. And so I think it would be beneficial for us today as we look at this passage. I want to speak on this, this subject today. Motivation for ministry. Motivation for ministry. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, use your word in our life today. We need you. We need your leadership. We need the word of God. May the spirit of God speak to us today, work in every heart and every life. And Father, I do believe the hour is late. The time is short. I pray today would be a reminder of some motivation that we might have in serving you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we have recently 
come to the end of a series on the Great Commission. And some of you are probably wondering if we would turn once again to Matthew chapter number 28, where we've been for so long. But as we have been reminded of the importance of the Great Commission and how the church has been commissioned to reach people, I hope it has also taught us and reminded us that we are all to have a part in ministry. God saved us from our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary so that we're not, we're not left to pay for our own sins, that because of Christ's sacrifice, we have forgiveness. We have a home in heaven. I'm grateful for that. The Bible teaches us very clearly and very plainly that our God, our Heavenly Father, desires for us to be with Him. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. As we weep for the lost, heaven rejoices because God has one of His children home. It is His desire to have us home with Him. And so the very fact that we, after our salvation, are still here means there's a work that God has for all of us to do. He doesn't intend for us just to check a box and mark off a day off a calendar, and there's another day lived, and, and I, I achieve what I want to achieve for myself today. No, we are here to serve Him. And the Great Commission, as we've seen, ought to remind us that we are all to be part of the ministry. The ministry of giving the gospel, the ministry of helping another Christian grow. It is important to know that the, the, the heart of the pastor, but it's important for us as a people to be reminded and to reflect on, on our ministry and what God would have us to do. As we see in this passage, we see Paul is speaking to the pastors at Ephesus. Paul had certainly been in, instrumental in their ministry. He had been instrumental in those churches. He had been instrumental in making a difference in that city. He gathers them together to speak to them. And you probably noticed as we read the scripture that he tells them this is the last time that you'll see me. This is the last time that we'll be together. He had other things to accomplish for the Lord. And Paul had an understanding somewhat of what his end would be. Where God was taking him. And he tells them that this would be the last time that they are together, and he says some very significant things that shows his heart when it comes to ministry. He admonishes them in several things that we'll look at tonight, Lord willing, but it should also be a heart that we reflect. It should be a heart that we pattern when it comes to ministry. Notice verse 24, he says, but none of these things move me. What was he speaking of? Well, if we look at this passage of Scripture, we go back to verse number 19. And he reflects and he talks, as he often did, about some of the things that he endured and some of the things that he went through. In verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in the weight of the Jews. Paul faced betrayal. He faced conspiracies against him. He faced imprisonment. He faced rejection. He faced those things. Uh, look at me in verse number uh, 23, if you will. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. 
Wherever he went, he faced beatings. He was stoned. He was unjustly imprisoned. He faced a lot of hardship. He paid a price for preaching the gospel, for serving God. And in a day when certainly in that day would be true, it would be true in our day as well, when some would count the cost, and we're reminded we need to count the cost for serving God, count the cost for uh, following the Word of God and trying to uh, please Him. But in a day when so many turn their back on the ministry and things of God because of a little hardship, Paul said, none of those things move me. What he is saying is, I'm just determined today than I've ever been. He knew that in the next city he went to, there was more persecution, more imprisonment, likely death at some point, and none of those thoughts deterred him in the slightest from preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For serving the Lord, he said, none Of those things moves me. Friend, if you and I could mirror that in our own life. Well, Pastor, we live in a day when, although we've been blessed in America and the freedom we have, we live in a day where it's not as easy to serve God as it has been in the past. But friend, it's never been easy. Well, there, there are times when, when, when because my, my company has gone woke and, and because I'm a Christian and, and, and I'm going to get passed over and this and that, none of these things should move you. What if there comes a day when the things that we believe, and certainly uh, if, if they could get away with it now, they would. They would outlaw any kind of preaching against homosexuality, any kind of preaching and teaching against there's a man and there's a woman, and that's all God ever made. They would outlaw that. What happens if, if we start getting imprisoned or, or persecuted, and that's labeled as hate speech? None of these things move me. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. How could Paul say that? Having the scars on his back from beatings. Knowing that it would not be the last one he endured. And he was just as determined as he had ever been. Well, the answer is also in verse number 24. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. See, Paul, Paul didn't live his life for him. You know why some Christians can be deterred? You know why some pastors can be bought? It's because it's their life. It's not God's life. Friend, you and I as Christians today, we need to, we need to get back to, we need to be reminded in the revival that This life belongs to him. It does not belong to us. Oh, well, well, it's it's my life, and and I want to do what I want to do, and I have dreams, and I have goals. No, Christ purchased our life. When you said yes to Jesus, and you said yes to forgiveness, that life, that salvation, that forgiveness 
was purchased by his own blood. Friend, you and I do not belong to ourselves. We do not belong to our own dreams. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am, I am, I am, a, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I have been purchased. I have been bought. This life is not mine. And quite frankly, we as Christians have been influenced by a world and a society that says there is no creator. And if there is no creator, we have no accountability. But friend, there is a creator, it's the almighty God. And because he created us, we have a responsibility to use our life to please him. And as a child of God who's been purchased and redeemed by the blood of Christ, we belong to Him. Mom and Dad, listen to me. Those children that you have in the nursery, God entrusted them to you, but they belong to Him. You is, if you're trying to decide the, the pathway and in, in where you go in life, let me tell you something. Your life belongs to God. How is it that somebody could say, I've had the beatings, I've had the imprisonments, I know more to come, but I'm not moved in the slightest. Yet the reason is, is because he, he didn't count his life dear unto himself. So, Pastor, I, 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 would, I could give to those things, but I sat down with my financial planner. And we're on a trajectory Friend, I'm all for preparing for the future, but whose life is it? Well, well, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would surrender as a young man, as a young lady. I surrender to give my life to ministry and to do those things. But there's just some dreams that I've always wanted to do, or there's a dream that my grand grandmother, my grandfather, always had for me. Whose life is it? You can tell a difference in those that want to play it safe when it comes to serving God and those that say, my life is not mine in, in, in its own. My life belongs to Him. Whatever God does with me, that's what He does with me. Whatever He has for me, that's whatever He has for me. His motivation for ministry, the difficulty didn't move Him. We live in such a weak-minded society today, don't we? We see it in our nation and in, in, in all the matters of today. It's like, well, well I just, you know, there, I, would, I would say something, but I would do something. That's, and it, and it's, it's filtered into our, our, our churches today. And, well, it's, I would serve God more, but it's, you know, I have to be in church twice on Sunday? Oh, my goodness. Pastor, you expect what from me? pastor doesn't expect anything from you except what the Bible expects from us. It's a different in, in, in mentality. Whose life is it? Is it my life or is it God's life? We look at Paul's mentality and as he speaks to the, these men, I want to give us a few things today as it comes to motivation for ministry. And I'll run through these quickly so that we uh, get, get out somewhat on time today. Let me notice in verse number 24, we've just read it, but none of these things move me, neither count of my life dear unto myself. Why, why did he feel that way? What was his motivation? This was a conscious thought process from the Apostle Paul. There had to be a decision one day that no matter what I face, I'm never quitting. No matter what I endure... I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. 
My life is not mine. Well, Paul, you may die. Well, it's his life. You know, well, sometimes you say, well, the pastors need to slow down, and everybody needs to slow down, have time for And I, I am for having time for yourself. I just had a vacation that I, 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 I needed and enjoyed. But at the same time, this is not my life. It's his life. There had to be a conscious decision when he said, I'm not going to live like it's mine. I'm going to live like it's his. What was his thought process in verse 24? So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Number one, he had motivation for ministry because the finish is the focus. The finish is the focus. Paul was still focused on the finish. It's not my life. I don't count dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy. Paul wanted to finish without regret. He wanted to finish without quitting. You think of 2 Timothy chapter 4, those, those well-known words. He says, I have finished my course. He's fought a good fight. He's kept the faith. He's finished his course. How many times have Christians served for a while, but they do not finish? I want to admonish the teenagers and the young adults. Don't be swayed by this world and don't believe the lies of this world that there's a better life to live than live for God. You give God your best years. You give God your, your, your early years. You give God the years you have the strength and the time and the ability. You give God those years. It's a tragic thing to see a young man, a young lady pulled out of this world and not serve God with their life. But I got to tell you, in my 10 years, I've seen just as many senior saints quit on God and get distracted and pulled away from the things of God and say, I, I, I've done my time. I've been through, I've given to my missionaries. I've, I've reared my children through the Christian school. I've, I've done those things, and, and I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just done doing that. I want to have my time for me. Friend, it's still God's life. Right. And we must keep the finish as the focus. If you're still here and you're 103, obviously God's still got something for you. It may not be what he had for you when you were 33, but he's still got something for you. He's still got a way you can serve. It might just be for some young man, some young lady to see you come in that back door and make the effort to be here each and every time that you can possibly be here just so they can say, one day I want to be just like that. One day I want to be, I may not walk as fast as I walk now, but I want to get, I want to be faithful all the way to the end. The finish has got to be the focus. We got to thank God and reflect on what God has allowed us to be a part of. But we should also keep our eyes on what's ahead. And I want to finish. He wanted to finish his ministry as well. Notice what he says, I... I said I might finish my course with joy in the ministry. There was more that he had that God wanted him to do. And in order for him to do it, he had to understand that nothing's going to move me. And he had to understand and make the decision that this life is not mine, it's God's. And that's the only way to finish your course, and your ministry. It's a wonderful thing 
when we serve the Lord, isn't it? But we must finish the ministry that God has for us. Boy, as a pastor and as a preacher, I, I'm thankful for the, the years and the decades the Lord's allowed me to serve and the hundreds, if not thousands, of messages He's allowed me to preach in this time. And as I look ahead, I, I want to finish my ministry. It's a humbling thing, thing to, to, to be able to look at your life and say, God used my life to be a help to somebody else. God used my life to give somebody the gospel. God used my life to be instrumental in, in somebody's life. And they can look and say, if it had not been for that person at this time, I don't know where would I have been. I thank God that he brought them into my life. What a wonderful thought. And I've, I've been in ministry to God be the glory long enough now that there are some. And it reminds me of, 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 of I'm not as young as I used to be, the fact that there are some who'd say, well, that, that's, that's my pastor, that's, that's my man of God. He was preaching when I surrendered, or he was preaching when I was saved, or it was his counsel that helped me along the way. But I would just say, there's more ministry to be done. And friends, we're a church that serves together and, and tries to reach people and be a help and encouragement. It doesn't matter where you are in life, finish your ministry. Well, Pastor, I don't have a ministry like you, but you have a ministry. Or you should have a ministry. Whether it's a, a helper in teaching a Sunday school class, whether it's, where it's, where it's ushering or, or helping in the nursery or, or in the music ministry or, or, or teaching in your own home, whatever it is, finish your ministry. The finish is the focus. Every single one of us ought to have the mindset that we're going to finish our course with joy going to finish the ministry that God has for us. Number two, to see in verse number 25, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. They love Paul. Paul loved him. You think back to the series I did on ministry companions. There's an obvious love for the people who Paul co-labored with and those that co-labored with Paul. And for Paul to say, this is the last time we're going to be together. You'll see my face no more. In verse number 36, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Verse 38, Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, they should see his face no more. They accompany him unto the ship. When I think of a motivation for ministry, I must say, number two, time is a factor. Time is a factor. I'm going to say something that's just going to be shocking to you. None of us are getting any younger. We are all getting older. Time is a factor. When you're young, you feel like you have all the time in the world. When you're young, you feel like, boy, it's just eternal life in heaven. I can only imagine how that is because it's like eternal life down here. Oh, and then you hear, you hear old people say, or should I say older people say, when you get older, time goes by faster. And it's true. 
But I want to remind us, as Paul reminded them, in his own ministry, the time came when Paul wouldn't be with them anymore. Paul couldn't minister to them anymore. And we're going to see in a moment that he reflects on what he had been faithful to do, but I would like to remind us that time is a factor. Today, once this service is concluded, you can't have the service again. I would urge us not to take for granted the things that we have and the people we see. Because the percentages are pretty good that this time next year, somebody's not going to be with us. You see, Pastor, who who are you talking about? Do you have any premonitions? No, I just know time is a factor. And you and I, when it comes to our ministry and it comes to the opportunity we have to serve God, we should never take for granted the opportunity that is right in front of us. Because the day is coming, and I, and I believe and pray is way in the future when you've heard your pastor preach to you for the last time. The time will come when you won't be able to sing in the choir anymore. The time will come when the usher who holds the door will not be there anymore. The time will come when the opportunity that God put in front of you for you to serve Him today, and you put it off and you procrastinate, that opportunity will be gone and you'll never have that same opportunity again. Time is a factor. We, the day is coming when we won't have time to work. You won't have time and and I mentioned this earlier, uh, don't, don't fall prey as, as you're young. Don't pr- fall prey to this idea of, well, you can serve God later in your life. You can. But you don't move as quick. Your strength goes a little faster. Might I just say, and I, and I appreciate our, our young adults and the, and the good crowd of teenagers and young adults that we have, but let me just admonish you and encourage you this morning and challenge you. Don't give your strength to this world. Give it to God. Don't give your healthiest days to this world. Give it to God. There are many who sit here today in those times they would testify uh, that the time had gone by. And I served God in this capacity for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years, but the day came where I couldn't do it anymore. The day came I didn't have the energy anymore. The day came I didn't have the ability anymore. The day came uh, my age just prevented me from doing it. And they would tell you that they're thankful that they took the opportunity in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and even their 60s to serve God in a way they can't serve Him today. But time is a factor. How many... How much time are we going to waste not being involved in ministry? Paul said, I, I can't see you anymore. The reminder today when it comes to motivation for ministry is we must act now. So, Pastor, why, 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 are you, why are you pushing us as a church? I'm not pushing you as much as I'm trying to lead us to do more for the cause of Christ because after today, we don't get this day back. When this year ends, we don't, we don't get this year again. We don't have this opportunity. The, 
the, the, the guest that comes, they may not hear another message. Well, I'm just, I just, you know, we've sung this choir, this choir song a hundred times, and I remember it. Well, you don't know there's somebody who's here for the first time. And they may not be here a second time. And we must take advantage of the time that we have. Let me just say this, and I'll move on. Don't take for granted the people you serve with. This is a great church. I, I, I've been gone. I was in several good churches while I was gone. None like this church. Don't take for granted for the people that you get to serve God with. Well, there's so-and-so. I just don't like... Okay, we'll, we'll put them aside. There's other people here. Don't take, don't take that for granted. Because the day will come... When this group won't be together anymore. See, Pastor, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, Paul was there for a time and he left. But you know, we're not getting any younger. This group, we get to serve together. We don't know what the future holds. The day's going to come. Teachers, the school year is coming upon us. The day's going to come when that group, and Brother Roach, I'd remind you, that group of teachers that's going to that that's prepare for this school year that same group may never serve together in its entirety again. That class that you have, those kids that you teach, and some of you say, praise the Lord, they're moving on to the next grade. You might be surprised, they might still be there. You have that one opportunity to make a difference. Let's not take that for granted. Time was a factor number three. This is a very, it's going to be very convicting for all of us as we read verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We say number three, a motivation for ministry is to do right by the responsibility. Paul, as a preacher of the gospel, had a responsibility. He says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. And what he's saying is, there won't be the blood of any man on my hands because I didn't tell them the truth of the gospel. He says in verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Let's be honest, there's some things Christians don't mind being preached about. But there's some things they do mind being preached about. But as a pastor, as a preacher, we're commanded to preach the whole counsel of God. And Paul says, this is the last time you'll see me, but, but I, I don't have the blood of any man on my hands. I didn't water down the message based on who was in the crowd or based on the circumstances or the fallout that would take place. He says, I have not shunned, I have not avoided declaring unto you all the counsel of God. Let me just let you know what I think you probably know as your pastor. That's my goal and my desire. And everybody likes to hear that you're going to die and go to hell and pay for your own sins if you don't trust Christ. But it's the truth. Sometimes it's difficult, and there's messages I love to preach, and there's others when you have to deal with certain situations, and you have to, 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 to try to help people with the Word of God, and you, you know they're not going to appreciate it. Yeah. 
But there's a responsibility that comes. And I would say to the young men who feel a call to preach on your life and you're preparing for the ministry, don't ever take a pulpit if you're not prepared to preach the whole counsel of God. Don't ever take the office of a pastor if you're not prepared to to, to follow this pattern and to to say what needs to be said, whether it's appreciated or, or, or wanted or not, and to preach that whole counsel of God. If you're not willing to accept the responsibility, don't accept the title pastor by your name. But let me also say there's a responsibility when it comes to serving in the local church. There's a responsibility, Sunday school teacher, to teach that Sunday school class. Do you pray for those students? There's a responsibility to sing in our music ministry. If you're going to take the position, and there's a lot of Christians, quite frankly, who they would take some, a position of service and they would serve God in a greater way, but they don't want the responsibility and the expectation that comes with it. Paul says, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and he's done right by his responsibility. Let me also say, Mom and Dad, it's, I try and cover this when I have the premarital counseling, when a couple is going to get married. Is I say to that young man, don't marry her if you're not willing to take on the responsibility. I'll say to the young lady, don't marry him if you're not willing to take on the responsibility. And I would say to young adults who want to have children before you have that first child, understand the responsibility that comes with that. We must do right by the responsibility that is given to us. I hasten number four. We look at Paul giving us motivation for ministry by his motivation for ministry. Look at verse number 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I say number four, be completely invested. Paul was completely invested. For three years, his time there, night and day. He didn't put ministry on on Sunday. And after a long day of ministry, take ministry off. And go back the next Sunday and put it back on. That should not be true of any of us. Let me say to each of us, from the pulpit to the back pew, be completely invested. It's shocking today and it's sad, it's tragic, and we're going to answer for it as God's people, the unwillingness, generally speaking, of Christians being willing to commit to serving God. By the way, if you won't commit to His church, you're not committing to a life of service for Him. Well, Pastor, I, I, would, I, would, I would sing in the choir, but it would mean that I would have to... 
or I would serve in this capacity, but it means that I would have to be completely invested. He ceased not to warn. I, one of the joys, I, there's a lot of joys I have as being a pastor. One of the aspects of being a pastor is to warn. As I spoke on discernment this morning in Sunday school, not everybody appreciates your discernment. Well, I can't see it, therefore I don't have to agree with it. Well, part of the responsibility I have is to warn. Certainly in the context of this, Paul is warning of heaven and hell. He's warning of men paying for their own sins. And there's certainly that warning, but there's also the warning of what will and will not hurt you. It's the whole counsel of God. And there are some, no doubt, while these men, it's obvious they loved Paul. There are some who were not with them who probably were still upset at something Paul said to them. Still upset that one of his letters, he didn't call them by name. But I know he was talking about me. Well, if he's describing this sin and you know he's talking about you, the problem is not that he's pointing out the sin. The problem is that you're guilty of that. It's the warn. There are some that I know and I love them and they don't appreciate the counsel that I've given them. They don't appreciate the warning that I've given them. But I want to remind everyone what Paul said. He didn't just say, I cease not to warn everyone night and day. But he said with tears. Because you cannot keep that in proper context until you go back to verse 24, but none of these things move me. Paul could have avoided the beatings. He could have avoided the imprisonment. He could have avoided the persecution. But those things didn't move him. He accepted the responsibility that God had placed on him, and he was completely invested in reaching people. Christian, are you completely invested in ministry? Are we invested in reaching people, helping people? Paul was so invested... It consumed his life, night and day. He was invested. It was not just what he did, because he did so with tears. He didn't warn somebody without loving them in the warning. He didn't serve in a vacuum with no feelings, with no, with no understanding. He, he loved the people that Christ loved. And he, and he knew the importance of what he was doing, and he was completely invested. Friend, let me just remind us as the Emmanuel Baptist Church, if you serve in the ministry, be completely invested. Don't show up one Sunday and miss the next. Don't show up one time and not there the next. Be completely invested. 
If you're going to work in that ministry, why don't you, why don't you get all the way in? And it would be good if you've yet to, to, to join the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Why don't we just do that today? Let's get all the way in. And then if you're a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, why don't you be invested? Why, 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 don't you, why, don't you, why don't you put something into it and put some of your, 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 your life and your, your schedule and your energy, and as the saying goes, blood, sweat, and tears, why don't you invest that in a ministry? Invest it in somebody else. You'll never understand. Christians do not understand the anguish, if I can use that word. Somebody who's invested their life into somebody else. I don't see why that's such a big deal. Well, if you invested your life, you'd understand. Well, 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 Pastor, it's not personal. Well, it kind of is. Because it's my life. It's what I've lived my life for. It's, it's, it's what I've endured, the imprisonments and persecutions and the, and the beatings, as Paul would all say that. that. That's why I endured all of that, because I care. You know what it would do for our country if God's people could take this little motivation, little outline on motivation of ministry, and they lived it. They lived it. Say, it's good to be reminded, Pastor, of this mentality for you. I'm okay reminding me. And sometimes I preach messages like this to remind me. And sometimes I preach messages like this to remind you of what to expect from your pastor. This message is so much more than that. This is to remind us that we all should be involved in ministry. We all should be helping somebody else. We all should be invested in the work of God. I'll, I'll use this as an illustration, and I'll go to invitation. It's like, well, the pastor is not above criticism, but before you criticize your pastor, have you prayed for him? If not, you're not invested. Well, the church, the service just seemed a little off today. Have you prayed for the service? That choir. Now, today wasn't their best day. All right, hot shot, you hop up there. It's easy for us to sit back and point out, and this should be this and this should be that. Well, what investment do you have in? You know, we, we changed this years ago, and you, you can criticize me for this if you want to. I'm, I'm, I'll be okay. That you don't, if you're not a tithing member, you don't get a vote in business. Say, Pastor, that doesn't matter. You don't have anything invested. You don't have anything invested. It's easy for those that aren't paying taxes to vote for certain things that makes us pay more taxes. Nothing invested. Oh, let's invest in the work of God. How do you invest in the work of God? You invest in others. Friend, this morning, apply this to, to our life. May we serve in a greater way. Let's not take for granted what God's given us. Let's take advantage of the opportunity right in front of us. How invested are you? God's doing some amazing things. Don't sit back and not be a part of it.
Everybody here can pray. If there's something between you and God that's preventing you from praying, that's keeping you from being invested like you should be. Won't you get that right? Won't you deal with that? If you're here and you're not saved, won't you trust Christ as your Savior today? Hell's a real place. And the only thing that keeps anybody from hell is them accepting, receiving Christ as their personal Savior. Many today may know there's another step in your Christian life you need to be taking. The Lord's been dealing with you about that. But today, won't you take that step? If you need to join the church, won't you join the church? Follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Maybe there's something, some area of service God's been working in your heart about. Maybe there's somebody God has impressed upon you. And might I say, I ran out of time. I was going to spend some time on this. But might I say to every mom and dad, you have ministry in your home. Be fully invested. Be fully invested. Boy, I think I got on this conversation, I think it was with Brother Chitty this week about, I don't know how we got on it, but uh, the travel ball, the, the summertime baseball travel where, where parents will mortgage their house because their son or their child is on a baseball team that travels all over the country and plays in these tournaments. They're, they're invested. I know how it was. There's a, there's a complex there that a lot of these athletes who will be drafted by the major leagues, they come and play there, kind of an all-star thing, and they, they invest in that. And those parents invest in that because they want, they want to see their, their child grow in that. They want to see them accomplish something one day. Boy, and yet it's hard today to get Christians to just bring their children to Sunday school every week. It's hard for Christians to say, well, you know, I, I, I want a Christian school and I want all these things. I just don't want to have to invest anything in my, in, in, of my own. Yeah. It's not ministry. Maybe all have some motivation in ministry. Father, help us today as we consider these truths. May.